0: This study, our study, reveals really the largest known case of illegal fishing in history, perpetrated by vessels from one nation operating in another nation's waters. Jiayun Park is a researcher in South Korea. He analyzes satellite
1: imagery and data to illuminate suspicious activity in East Asia's seas. And he's actually done more than that. He's unraveled a mystery in the process. Illegal fishing in Korean waters has disastrous consequences for the ecosystem, but it goes beyond that. This situation threatens North Korea and South Korea's cultures, economy, and people. It's an environmental disaster that has very real human costs as well. Local fishermen from both countries are struggling to make a living and dying while trying. I'm Kevin Hurton, filling in for Malika Bilal, and this is The Take. I reached out to Jayun Park because he works for an organization called Global Fishing Watch, whose mission is to promote ocean sustainability through greater
0: transparency. My passion is to use technologies and science to ensure the conservation, ensure the, the protection of the environment. So Global Fishing Watch is really an ideal job for me.
1: The first thing I'd like to talk about is this remarkable species that's at issue here, the Pacific flying squid. And I guess it's called that for a very specific reason, isn't it?
0: A lot of uh, squid species actually, in a way, fly. They fly over the surface of the sea sometimes when they move. And there are some nice pictures of, you know, Pacific flying squid or other squid species flying over the surface. And there's even a science paper about this squid uh, flying behavior. Uh, I think the title of the, the paper was Squid Rocket Science.
1: They call it the Pacific Flying Squid for a very good reason. It actually jumps out of the water and then glides for these little stints. It's really mesmerizing to watch. And it's not just pretty, it's also
0: tasty. It is really loved seafood in many places in the world, especially in East Asia, in China, in Japan, in South Korea. Squid is really one of the most consumed seafood in those countries. This particular species, uh, Pacific Flying Squid, is South Korea's top seafood by production value. My aunt, uh, who's still living in one of the towns known for local squid fishing in South Korea. Squid was something so common at, at that moment that it was served as free, complement food in all local restaurants. So it's beautiful, a staple food, and
1: also more broadly, it's part of the culture. Pacific Flying Squid is a treat that brings together people from all across East Asia, from Japan, China, North Korea, and South Korea.
0: It's really part of not only the local culture, but the really national culture. As I said, squid is one of the top seafood in terms of production value in South Korea. This is the third largest export of North Korea, mainly to China, and also really loved in in Japan. Uh, They have festivals related to squid, and this is really deep into their cultures. But now it's got a new name, golden squid, because it's become rare, and at least three to four times more expensive than just a few years ago. People can't really eat it like they did 15 or 10 years ago, even five years ago. And even though it's still part of their culture, it's really, in a way, disappearing. The Pacific
1: flying squid, or golden squid, as Jayun says it's now known, has gotten more expensive because it's become much harder to find. Waters in East Asia don't have as much squid as they used to, and the depletion has been a sad and concerning mystery for much of the 21st century. The total amount of squid caught in Gangwon-do province has fallen by more than half in a decade. Squid stocks in South Korea's eastern coast is depleting fast. Local fishermen could face financial losses of more than 80 million US dollars. Then, last year, Jiyun and his colleagues stumbled upon a possible explanation for the plunging squid stock. While testing its satellite imaging and advanced machine learning techniques in 2019, Global Fishing Watch picked up on something fishy
0: in the waters off of North Korea. There were a large number of dark vessels. Uh, the vessels that failed to show up in public monitoring system and are therefore said to operate in the dark.
1: That means any fish or squid caught by those ships are left out of stock assessments. And inaccurate fishery counts make it difficult for authorities to fix the problem. They can't protect the squid from overfishing if there's no record of it happening. Global Fishing Watch's report helps with that a little. It helps pinpoint where overfishing is likely happening. But the
0: team still can't verify exactly who's responsible. The South Korean authorities have seen hundreds of non-broadcasting vessels of Chinese origin passing through South Korean waters, crossing into North Korean waters. We can't really verify that these are registered or authorized Chinese vessels. Uh, But we identify that these vessels originate from Chinese ports and Chinese waters. So you have a huge
1: amount of industrial fishing ships that are coming into Korean waters, and then they're going dark. Explain to me how a giant ship can just go dark like that.
0: So these industrial vessels are crossing into South Korean waters with their Transponder device, uh, which is called AIS, Automatic Identification Systems. You are required to use this AIS by international laws. The problem of this case is that sometimes captains make uh, choices of turning it off when they decide to go dark. Nearly a thousand vessels are observed by South Korean authorities when they're going into North Korean waters and then When we look at the AIS dataset, we see very few vessels operating in North Korean waters.
1: Basically, South Korea's Coast Guard had watched for years as ships crossed into North Korean waters. But there was never any proof because the AIS radar systems didn't show them there. That's where Global Fishing Watch comes in. Their technologies showed what was really going on.
0: We did this using machine learning techniques and big data analysis. When you look at the nighttime imagery, you can uh, see very bright light produced by these large industrial vessels. It really penetrates cloud. Even if there's, you know, a scene with clouds, you can still see these large metal vessels operating. You can track their movements from Chinese ports to North Korean waters to, to operate and go back. As
1: for why they'd want to go dark? Well, North Korean waters are really rich in Pacific flying squid, so it's easy to see why industrial vessels would want to fish there. But right now, that's illegal.
0: China has had the historical records of trading fishing rights with North Korea since 2004. This situation has gotten more complicated in 2017 when the UN Security Council, including China as the permanent member state, unanimously adopted a series of resolutions prohibiting fishing in North Korean waters by other UN member states. So we're seeing a dramatic depletion of Pacific flying squid. It's happening
1: mainly because big industrial vessels that originate in Chinese ports are overfishing in Korean waters, undetected, which means they can't be held accountable. And all of this violates international law. The scandal here is that North Korean waters are off limits because of UN sanctions. You can't fish there. And these massive vessels are coming in, turning the radars off, and plundering all of the fish. Jayun says the destruction of the ecosystem
0: is unprecedented. This study, our study, illuminates extensive illegal fishing in North Korean waters by nearly a 1,000 vessels a year between 2017 and 18, likely in violation of UN sanctions and or domestic regulations. It is estimated that they caught almost as much Pacific flying squid as neighboring countries, South Korea and Japan combined. Their catch is estimated to be more than 160,000 metric tons of squid, worth about a half billion dollars between 2017 and 18. That's remarkable. Tell me about the
1: numbers. How bad is it getting in terms of the populations of these squid? This
0: catch by these neighboring countries have uh, plummeted by 80% in the past 15 years since 2004. And this is a huge decline, 80%. It was like over 150,000 tons per year by one country. Now it's less than 50,000 metric tons a year, record low in terms of the catch of uh, this Pacific flying squid. Local fishers are really running out of income because they go out, uh, they take to the seas and try to catch squid, and you know, it costs much more than they can get from quit catching.
1: So 80% decline in less than 20 years. Is this comparable to any other part of the world where you've seen this kind of reduction, rapid reduction in a species?
0: This is very rare, right? Usually if it goes down below 50% to a certain reference point, then you know, there should be some management measures. It's very difficult to find similar examples off
1: the There's so much going on in this story, but I think at its core, it's really about the effects of industrial fishing. And you really see that play out in a very tragic way when it comes to the small-scale fishermen in North Korea. Do you have any information on what life is like for North Korean fishermen who rely
0: on catching squid like this? There is some speculative information by North Korean defectors that it's very rough to be a fisherman in North Korea. Pictures taken by different fishing vessels really indicate how desperate they are and how rickety their boats are. And they don't even have refrigeration system to store squid they just caught. So they just dry on the deck, which is really like, Uh, it's 50 years ago in, in South Korea or in Japan, but they're still practicing that because of a lack of resources. And even the boats are very small and primitive.
1: I've seen these boats in the videos on Global Fishing Watch's website. They're relatively small, they're made of wood, they sway dramatically in the waves with squid hanging off of both sides. They're not designed for the high seas and they're certainly no
0: match for the huge fishing vessels they're competing against. Since 2003, this large number of industrial vessels come to their waters um, and that surely affected where they catch and how much they catch in competition with this huge presence of industrial vessels. Catching is really uh, relying on brightness. So uh, these small primitive boats from North Korea are of like 10 to 20 meters long and they are mainly wood made, and they only have 5 to 10 incandescent lights on the deck, as opposed to these industrial fishing vessels of Chinese origin, are 55 to 60 meters long. So it's three to four times bigger, and they have between 400 and 700 lights on the deck. So that really attracts more squid to the surface, but near the industrial vessels instead of small-scale vessels.
1: Think about that. 400 to 700 lights. That's about as bright as a football stadium. And every squid for miles is drawn in for the catch. Ironically, it was the light that these ships were using, while they'd gone dark on the radar, that allowed Jiyun to catch them.
0: I still remember the first moment I discovered these several hundreds of trawlers on the optical imagery. The first moment was really shocking. This enormous fleet was operating in a synchronized way occupying a huge area of sea space. They looked like they were mowing grass in a way. And I remember I had to scroll up and down continuously to find out the boundary of the area this fleet occupies. And then you would realize that you wouldn't want to sail around this area if you have very small, fragile boats. Uh, You don't want to compete with these enormous hundreds of industrial vessels prowling everything in the waters.
1: The scene Jaeyun describes sounds terrifying. And if North Korean fishermen can't work in their local waters, they're forced to sail farther and farther from home to find squid they can
0: eat and they can sell. Because of this uh, huge presence of industrial vessels occupying huge area in North Korean waters, these small-scale uh, artisanal vessels decided to go somewhere else. To Russian waters. And our study found about 3,000 North Korean vessels fished also illegally in Russian waters in 2018. It's in the bays and coves of Russia's Far East coast that the North Korean poachers seek refuge in stormy weather. For organized poaching in the Russian economic zone, they face up to five years in prison. Most of them, though, will be deported. These North Korean boats are really under-equipped for such long-distance travel to reach the Russian fishing ground, which is at least 500 kilometers from their home ports. You don't want to be in that boat uh, with that high waves and rough sea, especially this sea is quite known for being rough in the autumn or winter season. Picture
1: that, those small, rickety boats far from home in the middle of a rough sea. This terrible combination of factors has led to disaster over and over again. Look at this, a little fishing boat like this has no business being out in these stormy seas. And the men on board, they paid the ultimate price. There had been a number of cases of Japanese coast guards finding Fishing boats believed to be from North Korea.
0: These ghost ships have traveled a stunning 650 miles across fierce currents.
1: Sad fact is that for every dead North Korean who washes up here, there are probably many more sailors who never make it to dry land.
0: At the other side of the sea, which is Japan, hundreds of so-called North Korean ghost boats have washed up on Japanese shores in recent years and they are often found empty, or with human remains on board. In 2018, 225 so-called ghost boats were found in Japan. Back in North Korea, many fishing villages on North Korea's eastern coast have been coined widow's villages because a lot of fishermen haven't come back from their fishing trips. We found a very strong correlation between the number of North Korean fishing vessels operating in Russian waters and the number of the ghost boats found on Japanese shores. And this represents serious humanitarian consequences driven by this massive illegal fishing around North Korean waters. And this is all the more reason why we need to embrace transparency at sea and fight illegal fishing, not only for the you know, conservation of the fish population, but also there is a humanitarian element, there is economic reasons, there's also political consequences. I just can't get that image out of my mind. The, the idea of a,
1: a North Korean fisherman who kisses his wife goodbye and knows that he's about to embark on a five, 600 kilometer journey through rough autumn seas just to try to catch the same species of squid that his ancestors have been catching for, for generations. Let's talk about how this technology is allowing people to fight back and, and, quite literally, shed light to a dark area.
0: But these four satellite technologies that we used have existed to detect vessels to some extent but never before been combined to publicly expose the activities of dark fleet and their consequences across multiple years and spanning national waters. We were able to provide a robust understanding of fishing activities in a region with poor data sharing and intractable geopolitics. And these technologies, when combined with local expertise, can identify potential hotspots of IUU fishing around the world so that we can prioritize our resources to the most vulnerable and important places to protect. All of this is putting us within reach of achieving a truly comprehensive view of global fishing activity. And this indicates that dark fleets are rapidly running out of places to hide. We really hope that this technology is applied to many places in the world suffering from illegal fishing, suffering from the operation of the dark fleet.
1: It's hard to say if Global Fishing Watch's report will have tangible effects on the ground, if it will help conservation efforts and protect fishermen's lives as well. One measure will be the number of Pacific flying squid in the waters.
0: I love squid. I really like eating squid. It's in a way ironic, right? It's, It's golden. But because it's golden, it's not affordable for everyone. The fishermen, they're also suffering from this decline in squid catching and unstable status of, of squid population. It's really sad for everybody. Without managing sustainably the squid stocks in the near future, in the next few years, we may not be able to see anymore this population of squid, uh, which is really loved by all the countries in East Asia.
1: What can somebody who's listening to this story and feeling outraged and, and sick about about what's happening here, what can they do? Is this a UN solution? Does this have to come from the the countries in the region? Is it an international solution? What is it?
0: Embracing transparency is the utmost importance in addressing this situation. And in that, Global Fishing Watch works to provide monitoring and surveillance for governments around the world to assist their efforts in tackling illegal fishing and ensuring fisheries sustainability. At the same time, This requires collaboration between countries, right? Uh, Countries that have authorities to to control and manage fisheries. And this collaboration needs to be discussed and forged at the international level and UN level.
1: And that's The Take. If you want to learn more about North Korea's ghost ships, Al Jazeera's award-winning show, 101 East, aired a documentary about them. We'll link to it from our social media pages. We're at AJ The Take on Instagram and Twitter. This episode was produced by Priyanka Tilvey and me, Kevin Hurton, with Dina Kisba, Alexandra Locke, Ney Alvarez, Amy Walters, Nagin Oliyei, Oni Wohacha, and Malika Bilal. Natalia Aldana manages our social media accounts. Alex Roldan is our sound designer. Stacey Samuel is the team's executive producer. And Graylin Brashear is our head of audio. We'll be back.